conversation. Humans helping humans learn, lead, and inspire. A happy hello to you. Welcome to the Conversation Podcast. We are cruising into season two, exploring the hearts and minds of inspired educators, visionaries, and game changers. To kick off this season, I invited a very special guest who has a long history of looking for ways to make things better for the people all around her. Her name is Lorraine Booth, and she is a sparkling human being who truly paves the way for others to shine bright. Her courage and authenticity as a fearless and humble leader has empowered students throughout her school to reach higher and dream bigger. Lorraine is the resource teacher at an elementary school here in Vancouver, British Columbia, and she's also the project lead for Western Canada on behalf of the Conversation Learning Foundation's Wishes and Wisdoms Project. Lorraine has shown exemplary leadership in helping students design, envision, and make a difference in their country. Her courage to explore new methods of teaching is an example to all other educators. Lorraine is a shining star who gives 100% support and commitment to both her colleagues and all of her students. She is a teacher who acts locally and thinks globally. As you listen to Lorraine share from her experiences, I encourage you to think back on the moments that shaped who you are today. It's my joy and honor to have Lorraine as a guest on the show. Thanks for joining us. So before we actually begin the interview portion, I wanted to do an icebreaker with you. Sounds good. And so this icebreaker is word association. Okay. So I'll say a word, and then you just say the very first word that pops into your mind. Okay. Without overthinking. Like okay. just immediately the first. Okay. And then I'll say what pops into my mind okay. after you say the word. Okay. Okay. So we'll begin with um, Atlantis. Magic. Water. Waves. Gentle. Quiet. Thoughtful. Calm. Conversation. Relax. Inspired. Opportunities. Earth. Terror. T-E-R-R-E. Oh. I think it's a French word. Well, that reminds me of palm frites. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because potatoes in French are called palm de terres? Palm de terre? Palm de terre, yeah, okay. I think I thought it was a palm, a palm frites. So. Palm frites is French fries. Yes. <laughs> oh, so potatoes. Okay, palm de terre. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Okay, yeah. All right, so then earth uh, surface. Ground. Oh, grounded. Yeah. Roots. Anchor. Ship. Sailing. Salt. Hmm. Pepper. You know, you you were really, I, th- I feel like we we're really getting to where season two needs to go when we got into earth. Yes. And grounded and ground. Yes. 
and uh, then ship and sailing. So it almost feels like season two is destination, like a journey. And I think it is. Yeah. I think it is a journey for people to explore something that is unfamiliar to them. Yeah, something yeah. new mm-hmm. where you don't maybe even know how to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so cool. All right, Lorraine. So we are here to officially kick off season two. And we don't have a nickname quite figured out yet. So season one was Atlantis, mm-hmm. Beneath the Surface. Yes. Getting to know people. Yes. Getting to know educators and doctors and authors. And in this season, I chose you to help kick it off because of the work that you've accomplished through conversation and particularly the Wishes and Wisdoms project, which was our Canada 150 project. So we'll get into that a bit more as we go. And first, I'm going to ask you some questions just to give people a sense of who you are, where you've come from, and what you're like as a teacher, and why, you know, I think that will really help the listeners understand why I think so much of you. Okay. Okay? And so I'm deeply honored to have you here today, Lorraine. You and I have known each other for at least since 2008 when I came over to the school Mm -hmm. that you worked at. And I know that you have a nickname... You may have many nicknames, but the one that I know you as and the one that often shows up in texts that I send to you is Mrs. Boots. Yes, correct. <laughs> your last name is Booth. Correct. Yes. But at some point, a child thought your last name was Boots. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I happened, probably it was that year that boots were very popular, <laughs> and they were the black boots with the sort of little stiletto kind of mm-hmm. heel back on them, and they were... Patent, so they're a bit shiny, so very appealing to younger mm-hmm. grade level students. <laughs> I'm sure that's how it came about. Mrs. Boots. Yes. So, Mrs. Boots, what were you like as a kid? Well, it's funny, it brings back lots of memories. And um, what was I like as a kid? I had to ask my mom, too. Mm. She said, I actually like to play by myself a lot with oh. toys. And I thought that was interesting because in all my report cards, it was. I'm very social. Mm. (laughs) And so that social part definitely comes into mind a lot. Yeah. Um, And I think reflecting back on the importance of talk for me Mm -hmm. is an importance to express learning and understanding. Mm -hmm. And I think that growing up in school, there was a time where you weren't allowed to talk. Mm -hmm. And, And so I got in trouble a lot for talking. But I think that if I had the opportunity to collaborate and Mm -hmm. express my ideas, that it would have looked very differently. Right. So what you know now as an educator was not available to you when you were a child. Correct. Yes. So how did that make you feel when you were a kid getting in trouble for talking, which seems so natural, a natural thing to do? It was hard. Mm -hmm. It was hard not to talk because on one hand... I knew it was disrespectful, Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to be that kind of a person. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's it's spontaneous, and you know it just comes from within, and you can't hold it. Yeah, yeah. You have something to share. Yes, (laughs) that's very neat. Thank you for sharing that. I find that when I talk to you, I make a lot of connections about things. Mm. (laughs) That's right, and it's really neat because yeah. The way you explain things, I can see it all happening inside my <laughs> I can see it all. I'm watching the movie. 
Uh, when you were four years old, you had a friend named Mark. Yes. Tell me about Mark. Mark was a very shy boy, mm -hmm. and he was uncomfortable with doing new things mm -hmm. and um, trying new things. It was just going to the park and, you know, getting on a ride or on a swing. He would cry because he didn't want to do it. And one time we went to Disneyland together as, as a family. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's lots of rides. And so I don't know if I would have gone on the ride or not, but because Mark didn't want to, mm -hmm. I went on the ride to yeah. show him that it was okay. Wow. And I think that um, that helped build my character or, mm -hmm. you know, felt the need to help somebody who was uncomfortable. And he would only go on the rides if I went on it. Did you have to go on the ride first and then yes. go with him? Yes. Oh, that's so funny. So you got to experience the ride I twice. I did, or just to show him that it was okay, yeah. you know, or, or just to sit, you know, like yeah. to sit on the ride and then just, come on, it's okay, right? Mm -hmm. And um, just, yeah, be his friend and hold his hand and, oh, and do that Oh, that's so together. sweet. Mm -hmm. I, too, had a friend named Mark and Mark was a little troublemaker. <laughs> He's always getting into trouble. Yes. And I remember feeling like I wanted to be his friend, but also thinking that it probably wasn't a good idea to be his friend. Right. Because he's such a troublemaker. And then I'd probably get into trouble too. It's funny the conclusions you can draw as a child, hey? Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you for sharing that, Lorraine. How did you feel about going to school? Were you one of those kids that got up all excited to go to school? I remember Labor Day weekend mm -hmm. and not being able to sleep mm -hmm. and being excited. And I don't know if it was being excited because I had new school supplies and new clothes mm -hmm. or if it was I was excited about going to school. Yeah. And I think those are, I really, really remember that, just the longing of like, mm -hmm. why can't Labor Day weekend be over and oh, wow. let's just get it started and who's my teacher and who's going to be in my class. Okay, so you were excited yes. when it came to Labor Day weekend yes. and new school supplies and new clothes. Yes. I can totally relate. And the shiny hallways of yes. the school when everything first seems so the, brand the new. The brand new pencil that you got from your yes. teacher. With and, the yes. eraser still yes. intact yes. at the top. Yes, and <laughs> keeping your book nice and neat and <laughs> as fresh as the first page. Yes. Do you remember covering your textbooks? Yes. Having to cover. So yes. we were always asked to cover our science and social studies yes. textbooks. And uh, my mom and I would use wrapping paper. Mm -hmm. Did you use wrapping paper? We used, well, we didn't have wrapping paper. Probably mm -hmm. then it was probably more brown paper. Yeah. But to decorate. Yeah. Was so much fun. Totally. And yeah. so, and just having wrapping paper on my textbooks, it was yes. like I could trick myself into thinking this is a gift. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And I really want to open the gift. I want to open the gift. And... We were expected to keep those textbooks in use for many, many years, which is why there was so much uh, routine or structure, or so much in place to keep those textbooks protected mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so that the covers didn't get ruined. Mm -hmm. And probably by personalizing it, you felt like that you owned it. And mm -hmm. so when you own it, you something, you want to take better care of it. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I'll go with that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so you in grade three, volunteered to help set up the kindergarten teacher's classroom before school. I did. Why was that so special for you? You know, 
I try to be helpful, and I think that that's sort of an ongoing theme in my life. Mm-hmm. But helpful, but without being directive, mm-hmm. and I think that that is key. So it's always from that early time on. You know, it was just to get up early and and go to school and help bring the kindergarten children in and see the impact. You know, when they look forward to seeing you and mm-hmm. and saying hello to you, and then and then being able to help the kindergarten teacher and wanting to do a good job. Mm-hmm. I think um, those are early on that you recognize that in the school system, how you build students up by giving them extra opportunities outside yeah. of school time and that they're they're building their personality and their characteristics and mm-hmm. they're they're realizing what their strengths are as they they mm-hmm. um, do all these activities. And especially because it's a year-long one, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, some students choose not to do it all year long. Mm-hmm. And some choose to do it. And because it's like that stamina, can you do it all the mm-hmm. way through? And just that consistency. Yeah. So as an educator, you provide opportunities for students to figure out who they are and what their strengths are, mm-hmm. discover something new. Mm-hmm. It's a days with you, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's something different than what you did throughout the day. It's those moments. I remember probably in grade three or four, our teacher had asked for some boys to volunteer to get textbooks out of the trunk in her car. Mm -hmm. And so she picked four boys, and then she asked me to carry the keys. (laughs) 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 And and just something about that made me kind of smile, a little bit confused, you know. So, okay. So I'm holding on to the keys. We go down to to her car, and immediately one of the guys says, give me the keys. I know how to open a car. And I went, okay. And so I just handed the keys over, and he couldn't open the trunk. So he gave the keys to another boy. He couldn't open the trunk. And the keys actually ended up coming back to me, and I opened the trunk. Oh, that's so funny. And for whatever reason, that moment stood out to me as, like you described, provide the opportunities for leadership and see what emerges. Like, at first, I wasn't sure carrying the keys. (laughs) Not that I wanted to carry the textbooks, but... And I think, yeah, I think what's key is providing experiences and opportunities Mm -hmm. because you never know what the outcome and Mm -hmm. the impact it is going to be on on the child. Oh, yeah. You know, had I not had the opportunity to be a helper in grade three, like grade Mm -hmm. three, you're only seven or eight years old, Mm -hmm. that somebody feels that you're that important Mm -hmm. to to give you a job, Mm -hmm. I think is is huge. To trust you. Yeah. To know that it'll get done. Mm Mm-hmm. Very powerful stuff. So looking back on your life and those moments that shaped you and where you discovered what your skills and your strengths were, and especially that you really loved to help, Mm -hmm. at what point did it become crystal clear to you that I'm going to be an educator, I'm going to be a teacher, I'm going to work with kids? Hmm. Can I backtrack Mm -hmm. a little bit? I wanted to talk about passions and Mm -hmm. um, before I talk about what led me to that. Yeah. So... You know, I think that if you can find a passion, and I think early on I I really liked babies, mm. and I still do to this day. I love mm-hmm. holding them. I like making them laugh. And if they're crying, I like to calm them down. Mm-hmm. If they're having trouble sleeping, I like to put them to bed. So I've always, always done that. And growing up with my parents sort of on a weekly basis, went to all these different parties. Mm-hmm. And rather than playing with friends my age or older, it was always about me playing with the little kids. Aww. And so following that passion, 
I think that everybody's, you know, everybody say, oh, you need to work with children. Mm -hmm. So I knew that very early on. And what led me to education was um, a funny story, or not funny story, but in grade 10, you have this computer program where you plug in, you answer all these multiple choice questions, and the outcome, it, it tells you what potential careers oh, you might end yes, up with. yes, one of those. So the career that came up in grade 10 was social worker, nurse, or teacher. And I guess there weren't that many opportunities for women, I think. You know, mm -hmm. there, it was like, why couldn't I be a doctor or something like that? But that didn't come apart. Anyways, so with that, I thought, okay, well, I'll work as a candy striper at Children's Hospital, mm. see how that went. That went very well. And social work, I didn't know what it was about, so I wasn't exposed to it. So mm -hmm. I chose, if I don't know anything about it, yeah. I'd probably, I'll, I'll either investigate nursing or teaching. And so at about grade 11, my dad was hospitalized for a minor operation. And I thought, okay, well, I better find out what this hospital thing is. So I walked into the hospital. And I was determined to investigate. So I looked in every single hospital room. Oh, wow. And my dad was at the end of the hallway. Yeah. And by the time I got there, I actually had to go back out the door because I was feeling so nauseous. Wow. <laughs> because I just, the smell or yeah. just looking at all the patients. And that's when I realized, no, <laughs> I can't work in a hospital setting. Yeah. And so then it was teaching. And that's sort of where I realized that I'm going to go pursue the, mm -hmm. pursue education. At about grade 10 or 11. Wow. So you were still a teenager and you knew that's yes. the direction you're going. Yes. And how long would you say you've been teaching? Probably about 30 years. Hmm. Yeah. And you got three kids of your own? I do have three children of my own. And they're in school? I have two in university and one still finishing wow. school. Yes. Wow. Yes. To look at you, Lorraine... You look like a teenager. You really do. When I saw you coming up the escalator, I'm like, who's that little girl? Oh, wait, that's Lorraine. <laughs> There's such a youthful glow about you. So what's your secret? I think fitness, I mm -hmm. think, is the key. And, you know, healthy habits, healthy mm -hmm. lifelong habits, eating well, sleeping well, facing challenges mm -hmm. uh, in a healthy way. Yeah. So there's always going to be stress in life, mm -hmm. but how you manage it mm -hmm. is big. And um, there was a while there when I was in my career and juggling three children and not sleeping mm -hmm. at night and figure out, like, I know I have to go to sleep, but it's not working. Mm -hmm. I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I'd have lists of things to do and suggestions for teaching the next day. And I sort of went on the journey of, okay, how am I going to figure out how to fall asleep, mm -hmm. you know? So it was like, okay, do I get up and walk around? Do I count the sheet backwards? <laughs> I've already done that a hundred times. And I worked on it every night. And I think it took about three years where something happened. And mm -hmm. basically, I now I can now go to bed and go, I think you reach a calm state. And mm -hmm. at that calm state, you know you're going to fall asleep. Yeah. But it takes work and it takes practice. Yeah. So, and I think that that leads to all of a mm -hmm. healthy life. So that you're, I read somewhere that in order to be available for everybody else, you have to take care of yourself mm -hmm. first. Mm -hmm. And um, didn't make sense to me for a long time. Mm -hmm. But after running with three children and having a career and mm -hmm. doing this, you realize, mm, yeah, mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's like that classic oxygen in the airplane 
when those masks yes. drop down, yes. make sure you get it on yourself first. Correct. Because if you don't have oxygen, how are you going to help anyone else? Yes. It's um, changed philosophy because when you grow up, you're always taught to like give to other people mm. first. Mm. So that, I think, took a long time to, yeah. to realize and yeah. to come to terms with. It is really me first because if you're not healthy, then mm-hmm. everybody around you is going to fall apart because they're counting on you. Right, and I'm really glad that you were able to resolve what was in the way of you falling asleep. Mm-hmm. And I know exactly what you're talking about, that moment where you just got so relaxed and you know sleep is right around the corner. Mm-hmm. But when your mind is racing with thoughts mm-hmm. and a million things to do that you want to get up in the middle of the night to write a to-do list. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> but it's something that's there for a lot of people. Yes. You can't fall asleep. Absolutely. And if you can't fall asleep, you're not getting the rest that your body needs, that your brain needs, and you're only functioning at, say, I'm just going to randomly say 50% of your true potential. So what was the shift for you to figure out how to fall asleep? Because I'm sure many people who are struggling with sleep are wondering, if counting sheep doesn't work. <laughs> I think just trying a variety of strategies and mm-hmm. figure out which one works for you because mm-hmm. I think everybody's different. Mm-hmm. And so the willingness to try, mm-hmm. I think, helps with finding a solution and, yeah. and realizing that that's an important thing that has to be done. Yeah, I get that. And, and maybe it's as simple as just choosing to empty your brain, maybe entering a space for thought lounge mm-hmm. for a minute before you go to sleep. Exactly. That could be a new trick. I'll come back to that later. (laughs) Thank you so much, Lorraine. Now, when we talk about the key insights that motivated you to do what you do today, is there anything else that came to play that led you on this path? I think being an educator is one thing, but what kind of educator Mm -hmm. you choose to be Mm -hmm. is part of the journey. Looking back on my career... At the beginning, it's you're extremely egocentric. What do I need to know now, and can somebody help me address what I need to know now as an educator? Mm-hmm. And I think over time, it evolves into what's more important to me is how can the others around me benefit? How can I help them achieve to be their best? So I think it um, takes on a much more powerful role as an educator, mm-hmm. the significance or the impact that we can make as educators. Because if you're in a class of 22 or 30, there's 30 different ways of perceiving what you've just delivered or how you just delivered it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is key. I don't know if I answered this question, but one of the things I like to do every year is to provide an opportunity that I think the class has never experienced before. Mm. Because I think if I look back at my schooling, I remember that I learned. What did I learn? Mm -hmm. I may not be able to recall the details of what I learned, Mm -hmm. but I remember significant things that were different. So, for example, I had a grade 7 art teacher, and she would do batik. Mm -hmm. And so here we're handling hot wax, and given that opportunity, something that I'd never be able to do or may or may not have that opportunity ever in my life to do. Mm -hmm. So when I plan my year long with my students, I try to think of something that they may never 
yeah. like something new. Yeah, really. So more hands-on rather than the the academics and the books and the textbooks and the learning is always going to be there as we mm-hmm. refine it. But it's the experiences that I want. Mm-hmm. So I try to do one unique experience. I really get that. And as you were talking, I was just playing out in my own mind that in school, what I was taught on Wednesday of 1987, I have no recollection of. Right. But in 1987, uh, when a certain album came out, you know, I remember sharing the music with mm-hmm. my best friend and right. talking about what you, what song you love and what song, like, when there's an interest, right. we remember the details. Right. And I remember all the details around the kind of music my best friend loved. Correct. And how it was different from the choices right. that I liked. So... Providing students with unique opportunities to have different experiences really gives you a chance to see who's interested in this, you know, who's loving this, who's not. But being able to create those opportunities that provide the kids a chance to explore. Right. That's amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much. Now, back in the fall of last year, you and Laura were kind of co-teaching the conversation program. Right. And you were the classroom teacher for Mondays and Tuesdays? or I was. Yeah, yes. Mondays and Tuesdays. And Laura was running the conversation program. Yes. Now, this may be a bit of a stretch, but do you remember the first time you heard the word conversation? Because it's been a couple of years now that this has been bouncing around at the school. I remember the story behind why it was named conversation. That's mm-hmm. what I remember the most. And okay. I, when I explain it, I tell that story every time <laughs> because it makes sense. Yeah. And why, why is the word conversation? Mm-hmm. If like conversation really in this day and age, I think mm-hmm. it really does have a powerful impact in terms of when we speak and we are feeling supported and being honest. Mm-hmm. It does calm us. Mm -hmm. It really does. And we enjoy talking to that person Mm -hmm. on a continual basis because they they do support us and they do make us feel calm. Yeah. And it's, I joke that it's about taking the con out of conversation. Yes. That conning, the convincing, all those, you know, words that bring up other feelings. But when you when you just release the word conversation, it changes the dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I really get what you're saying about creating that mutually respectful environment mm-hmm. where kids know that it's okay to try on different ideas, think about different things, and explore that from their interest point of view mm-hmm. because that's what engages them in the learning. So I remember the day that I'd come in and it was theme four, learning, and there was a discussion around what interrupts your learning. And I was really amazed by the quality of responses the children were providing. And we actually have some audio from that day in the classroom, which we will now play. The question was, what interrupts the learning process for you? And I'm curious because when I was a child, a lot of things interrupted learning for me, and I wasn't always confident to share. 
I didn't know that I had the option to share with my teacher and let my teacher know that sometimes I can't learn because of this or that. So I'm really curious what your thoughts are. And if you have something to share, please put your hand up. Oh boy, Miss Booth, maybe you can help me out here. We'll start over here. Uh, when the, like the, like it's really windy and the door shakes. So when it's really windy and the door shakes, what happens? Is that a dis- it's really noisy. It's a noisy. Does that become a distraction for you? And then it's hard to focus when you're distracted, right? Okay. Uh huh. So when you're thinking about what's going to happen after school, then you've got kind of two thoughts happening at the same time: what you're supposed to do and what's going to happen. Do you have any strategies that help you? Like if I'm not home and I'm doing homework or something, and my family's watching like a movie in the next room, it kind of makes me like kind of like jealous that I can't watch that one. So sometimes when you're at home having to do homework and you can hear people watching TV, it doesn't make you feel so good, right? It makes you feel like you're missing out on something. Okay, how many can relate to that? Just shake your head. All right. Hello. Hi. Yeah. When my classmate So when somebody around you is talking, that can be distracting, which interrupts learning. Okay, thank you for sharing. What did you get? from having that discussion with the kids about what interrupts your learning? I think it helped them focus. Mm -hmm. It helped made them realize that our learning is interrupted. Mm -hmm. I think it's Mm self-awareness. I think it brought that up to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And for them to be able to discover that themselves and recognizing that what interrupts one person's learning is different than what interrupts somebody else's learning. I shared that I'm really aware of sounds and noises and distractions around me. And when I shared that, like as a child, if I was in the classroom, there's a lot of distraction around me. It was hard for me to focus. And I immediately noticed the kids who were sitting around me just settle right in. Like once they were aware that this even happened mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. they didn't want to be uh, contributing to the distraction. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And it was like such a flipped way for, because I never like to tell kids to, you know, be quiet, yes. sit down, yes. do this, do that. Yes. They're little human beings yes. with gigantic minds. And they're figuring things out. And they're figuring things right. out exactly. And to be, to be told in such a respectful way, mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. I can relate. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'd like to acknowledge you for your courage and bravery to try on a new program, you know, when it really does defy how things are traditionally done, right? Yes. And some of that is in creating these mutually respectful environments. It's kind of like removing labels of I'm the teacher and you're the students or vice versa and creating a humans helping humans learn. Yes. Lab scenario, working things out together. And I remember you had some nerves about, I'm not sure if I could do this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you take us back to then? Because that just seems like years ago. It does, doesn't it? Uh, It was the learning theme, and that was the one you were going to run by yourself. Right, right. And you saw Laura do it. I did. I did. The the one about the conversations, when we did the conversations, or the part about doing the... One Canada 150. Oh, that that came later, but I'm going right back to the first time you ran the program, and I actually was there in the classroom. <laughs> so you were doing the theme four, and I remember sharing with you 
that Lorraine, you're perfect. You are perfect to deliver this. And especially because it's the learning theme and you're learning something new. You're Mm -hmm. demonstrating to the kids what it looks like to learn something new. So you create a power with dynamic. I think it was intimidated and scared. Mm. And intimidated because I watched you, Jenna, deliver it. Mm-hmm. And I watched my colleague, Laura, deliver it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, what if I miss the key points? What if I can't do it the same way they did it? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, looking back, I realized that you, this program is about personalizing it to make it fit your comfort level. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the tools are there Mm -hmm. uh the message is there and just to to make it your own and so that it's comfortable and it fits within you yeah um i think that that's what i learned as a result of that yeah and thank you for sharing that you're you're so authentic in your willingness to be open and share transparently Mm -hmm. what was going on for you Mm -hmm. as an educator trying a new program Mm -hmm. and the reason why I kept saying you're perfect is because the program is driven by your personality. Mm. That's what the kids want to see, right? Who mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. And then that frees them to show you who they are. And it's, it was hard. It was yeah. extremely hard to do because I was in awe of the way you and Laura delivered the program. Mm-hmm. So here I am saying, yes, I'll do this. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, Okay, what did I get myself into? Yeah. Because I can't, like I said, it's the awe, like, wow, they really connect to the students. And wow, they're really addressing the students in such a respectful manner Mm -hmm. and redirecting when Mm -hmm. necessary Mm -hmm. to keep on track to the main message and the main theme of conversations. Mm -hmm. I think that that was the part where it's like, oh, I don't think, I don't know if I can do this. (laughs) I don't know if I can do this. Well... I give you a round of applause for being there last fall to actually being the project lead for our nationwide (laughs) campaign, the Canada 150 Wishes and Wisdoms. And that began with me saying, okay, you've done the entire program now, all five themes. Here's where we're going next. Mm -hmm. And I just appointed you the leader. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you remember that? I do, and I have... (laughs) Miss Jenna pushes me to every step of the the next level mm-hmm. and um, gently encourages. And I shall really, we say? I really appreciate it. She gives <laughs> yeah. me lots of time in between to think <laughs> about it, but gently encourages. And it just the excitement mm-hmm. of the possibilities. Yeah. Thankfully, far outweigh the fear. Mm-hmm. So I say yes, and then. For weeks until that point, I'm extremely terrified. (laughs) Yeah, and I, again, really appreciate you sharing that because I didn't know how this was going to turn out. Mm -hmm. I just had an idea, and the idea was to capture the children's wishes and wisdoms in tandem with Canada's 150th birthday. I knew that two years ago. I just had this sense, feeling that I was going to do something with conversation in that. And the idea came to life by me sharing with you and then you sharing with the kids. And the idea further came to life when you were very authentically, like with the greatest level of authenticity, you shared with the children Mm -hmm. 
how this kind of turned your world upside down. Mm -hmm. Everything as you knew it about education kind of went a little topsy-turvy. It did. (laughs) It did. So for an educator who hasn't tried conversation and can't even probably visualize what it is, because it's not your typical format of running a program. And so for somebody who's curious but not sure, what would you say to them? Well, first I would say to them, the latest research that uh, happened a couple of months ago was scientists realized that emotions have to be taught, Oh, which I thought was fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't come from a culture that teaches emotions... Like how to label and identify them? And how to be with them. Yeah, that's how a big to, how one. To, how, to, how to, if you're feeling happy, yeah, this is, you don't have the same face as you do all the time. It looks different. Yeah. So I think they need to be taught that. Mm-hmm. And I think that conversation is just, is part of that. Mm-hmm. It it's an opening. It is an opening. It's mm-hmm. the start of it. And it's done so well. Mm. Uh, just the... The actual video itself mm-hmm. is, and the the way it's spoken to, mm-hmm. it addresses what the concept is, and it tells you how a variety of options on how to mm-hmm. to do that mm-hmm. and to behave or to think or yeah. to feel. I think it shows yeah. that each person can have a different reaction yes. to the same place and time. Absolutely. And this is where with the space for thought lounges, Mm -hmm. everybody is experiencing the same lounge. But when it's over, you get to talk about where your mind, your imagination, where you went with it. Mm -hmm. And the students develop the self-awareness around themselves and others that we don't all think the same way. We don't all respond to things the same way. And on one level, if someone was to climb into my brain and <laughs> go to that area that developed conversation, there's probably some formula or algorithm based on my life experiences, working in the system, being a school, that allowed me to get there. But ultimately, I was really committed to transforming a child's experience of school. Yes. I was steadfast in creating something that would make a difference for every child in the classroom. It didn't matter if you struggled with academics or you were amazing with academics. It didn't matter if you were socially awkward or disengaged. I wanted to create something that would be available for all the students. And what you guys have done with it. So at some point you just release it, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> I kept it to myself for as long as I could, tidying yeah. and polishing and testing and doing whatever I needed to do. But then the trust that you had for me, I also had for you. Because I, what I know about you, Lorraine, as an educator is you do things to create opportunities for students to have different experiences. Yeah. Opportunities that turn into memories that they don't forget about. Mm-hmm. You like to have fun, <laughs> and you're you're flexible with your thoughts. I find that you're a very flexible and adaptable in the way that you are with people, mm-hmm. even if initially you think you're not. 
(laughs) (laughs) Even if initially you're like, oh, no, where's the quickest exit? I want to (laughs) run. Even if that's what's there for you initially, it's not what is there throughout. So to have you and Laura and Mr. G and all of you guys participate in this is just like for me literally watching a dream come true, like Mm -hmm. the feature presentation. And I know that we're only just beginning. Mm -hmm. If I were to recommend this program, I would recommend it to every classroom. Yeah. Uh, This is about being human. Mm -hmm. Because quite often schools are just about schools and Mm -hmm. the learning or the textbook or whatever material is being presented. But we have to remember that there are human beings involved in here. And I think if anybody is looking for a program that represents being human and accepting human beings as part of the learning, as not just textbook answers or responses Mm -hmm. that are only responses, but a human response and Mm -hmm. a human emotion attached to it. Honesty. And honesty, I think Mm -hmm. that you have to have this program in your classroom. Ah, Yeah. So what are you going to be teaching in the fall? I am teaching resource again, Mm -hmm. but I'm actually working with primary students. So I previously have been working with grade fours to sevens. Mm -hmm. So now I'm back kindergarten to grade threes. Oh, nice. Oh, that's going to be wonderful. Lorraine, you have been so amazing to interview. (laughs) You really went to the soft and gentle places, the vulnerable places to share your experience and your authenticity in being able to share from that vulnerable place will create an opening for many educators. And it usually takes something to break down before we realize we need yeah. to change this. Yes. And conversation is an opportunity to get there before things break down. Yes. And it's worth the risk. Yeah. It's worth the risk for everybody to try this program. Yeah. The, and when you talk about risk, what do you mean? Like worth the risk of trying something new? It is. Yeah. Okay. It is. And yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Mrs. Boots. Now, there's two more just random questions. And if you have a response, you have a response. And if you don't, it's perfectly all right. Okay. So at the heart of what you do and why you do it, What's the biggest influence? What influences your decisions? Will they benefit? Mm -hmm. Will they remember? Mm -hmm. Does it require, does it meet a variety of learners? Mm -hmm. And is it actively engaged enough? So not the pencil paper task. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Now, in terms of what you see not working in schools from your own experience or as your experience working in schools, (laughs) what do you think isn't working in your experience? Because you can't speak for all educators. And I guess it's kind of a loaded question, Lorraine. As I'm sitting here imagining myself in your shoes, which are very nice and shiny, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) I'm realizing it's kind of a, it's loaded and it's pointed. What is the risk of people not adopting a conversation model for learning? I think we lose the risk of treating students as Mm -hmm. human beings. Mm. I think that's the risk. Mm -hmm. Because I'm looking at some of the, just looking at my own children, and and some of them have gone through the school system. Issues that I had when I was growing up, bullying or being teased or being Mm -hmm. felt 
where somebody had the power to make me feel terrible, mm-hmm. to make me have a terrible day. When you talk about what systems need to improve, I think that's what the key one. Mm. You know, how students are treated. Yeah. It's because not solved. It hasn't been solved. And here we have all this technology yeah. and advancement. Yeah. But those issues are still there. You know what, Lorraine? I'm glad you brought that up because how students are treated is how they then go on to treat others. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't been solved because it still continues to be in existence. But I think that we are really on to something major here. Yes. A major breakthrough. Yes. For education for learning, for children, for humanity. Mm-hmm. And what we've accomplished together and what you've accomplished at the school, the skills and talents and the personality that you brought in really drives the conversation and mm-hmm. frees the kids up to mm-hmm. embrace their personalities. And so I applaud the human that you are, Lorraine. I applaud your willingness to do this. I applaud the ability you have to bring magic into the room thank you miss jenna thank you for being on the show any last words thoughts positivity Mm -hmm. i think those are my last words positivity because as educators we have such power but the positivity is is the potential to Mm -hmm. to help Mm -hmm. the positivity really builds that bridge to connect with the kids. And one last bonus question. (laughs) What's a wish you've been carrying around since you're a child that's yet to come true? That one is a really hard one, Jenna. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about it for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, You've been thinking about it so hard that it just keeps bouncing away from you. But if you just think about your life and that one thing that you wished for, that never came true. I still no? have yet to think Okay. That well, I'm open to hearing this anytime <laughs> it strikes you. The okay. moment, you know, it might happen like two hours after the interview. You can send me a text. Yes, I <laughs> Jenna, I found my wish. But I see that you're somebody who's really motivated and you go for what you want. You do what matters to you. And so you've been achieving your wishes, mm-hmm. your dreams, your, mm-hmm. your goals and accomplishments. Mm-hmm. So... On that note, we will wrap up the interview portion. You've been listening to Lorraine and I talk about school, life, and the moments that shaped us. It was really exciting to have Lorraine take on a leadership role in her Wishes and Wisdoms Canada 150 Alliance project. We welcome you to visit conversation.org to learn more about the project. In the meantime, We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Until next time, have yourself a magical day. Lots of love and good wishes are being sent your way. Lorraine, you did fantastic. Oh, you are such a lovely human that being. Fun. I thought, oh, is that the practice? On? That's like, how are you feeling about that? Good, I think. Did you think? All <laughs> right, don't good. think too hard. Okay, I won't think too hard. Apparently I think too hard.